Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Hello and welcome to this January 9th edition of Side Retire, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan and Jack as always, and we are continuing our top 10 rankings of each position going position by position. If you go below these, you'll see our catchers and our first baseman. And today we've got the interesting position of second base where things are going to get a little tricky. There are players who it's unsure if they're playing second or third or short. So we're going to start off the episode by a quick disclaimer that we consider DJ LeMayhew Max Muncy and Jay Cronenworth, three guys who could potentially be considered top 10 second baseman. We consider them at different positions, LeMahieu and Muncy at third, and Cronenworth was discussed in our first base episode from last week. Before we jump into that, Jack, your football team made the playoffs, but anything else you want to tell us about how you're feeling? Um, pretty good. Uh, yeah, the giant New York Giants made, uh, the, uh, made the NFL playoffs. I guess the side-retired um, counterpart for NFL um would be like punt i i don't really know what the uh, the football lingo would be that's equivalent of retiring the side but and and that's i guess baseball news more so focusing on correa um you know lots of stuff currently moving on the market is shaping up kind of winding down in terms of trade acquisitions um so it's kind of been all quiet now um i think it's more so brewing up the storm you'll see maybe some potential big moves um Michael Kepler, maybe Brian Reynolds, hopefully the the white whale of the offseason uh, on the trade market. So certainly a lot left to be desired and a lot of dying before spring training for teams to still improve about 50 days before we have, you know, games going on. So definitely a, uh, a surplus of time for any GM who wants to attack and still improve his roster via the trade market. And you can bet we'll have that Correa instant reaction episode whenever he does decide to sign. We are now on day 18 since it broke that he actually signed with the Mets. Obviously, you could extend the saga even farther the week before when he actually signed with the Giants. Also, on another side note, we are rooting for Liam Hendricks here. He's been dominant in the ninth inning, and I'm sure he's going to dominate this next chapter of life as he looks to bounce back and become stronger than ever. Second baseman, though, Jack, we have top five guys, I think, universally on all of our lists. In Altuve, Jimenez, McNeil, Semien, and Jazz Chisholm. The order varied, but those tend to be the top tier guys. I'll kick it to you first. We can do as always, name your 10 through 1. And then if you want to break into how you got to those positional rankings and all that fun stuff. Um, number 10, kind of a shocker. I think the only person who included this guy. Kind of probably gonna have to explain myself in terms of playing time issues. I have Anthony Volpe. Um, number nine, I have Brendan Donovan. Eight, Jorge Polanco. Seven, uh, the newly converted shortstop second baseman, Nico Horner. Brandon Lau at six, followed by Marcus Simeon, Jazz Chisholm, Jeff McNeil, Anders Jimenez, and Jose Altuve, rounding out that top five you just mentioned, who really, you know, is the crux, the, uh, the cream of the crop when it comes to second baseman. Um, I guess the early impressions would be Volpe. I think as of now, if you're looking at the Yankees roster, you might be a little perplexed just given Glaber Torres, 
um, in terms of how I approach ranking this list, in terms of, you know, the talent level and how I think of it now, just seeing how Volpe projects overall, just seeing his per rate statistics and like his projections, how he's done in the minor league, you know, he's going to have an immense value in terms of speed um, as, you know, a, a base running threat. He stole 50 bases, I believe, in the minor league season last year, cumulatively across the, the multiple divisions he played at. And on top of that, he has nice pop, consistent contact rates. He'll play solid defense, even fair um, more so if he's over at second. And because considering now you figure Oswald Peraza, if not Isaiah Conor-Falefa has that shortstop job. And if Anthony Volpe could be contending for it, I imagine unless Oswald Peraza is traded, he'd be sliding more naturally at second base. So that's really my uh, my big decision there. I guess we can debate more so once you reveal your list over some of the other positions. But as that was the only guy who I've exclusively online, I'd figure I'd justify my decision to include him. And I think sort of similar to you just mentioned that top five, I'll go from top to bottom. Altuve, one, McNeil, Jimenez, Marcus Semien, and Jazz Chisholm rounding out that top five. Horner at six, Whitmerfield seven, Cattell Marte eight, Jorge Polanco nine, and Brandon Lau at 10. Obviously a similar seven through 10, just the order difference. I did have Whit Merrifield on mine. He's the only guy when you had Volpe, I included Merrifield. I think with Whit Merrifield, it looked like he adopted really well and his numbers actually jumped off the page once he became a Toronto Blue Jay as opposed to a Kansas City Royal. There were thoughts of potentially slumping, but now that he had better hitters behind him, I believe he had Lee off most of the time where he had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He obviously got more pitches to hit, and thus that allowed all of his numbers to go up. And Merrifield is obviously known for his speed as well as his defense and his versatility, which is something that you probably look in second baseman. With the exception of Jose Altuve, there aren't that many massive big boppers and sluggers who are going to go out and hit you 30 homers. I guess you could also throw Marcus Semien in that conversation as well, although he didn't hit a home run this year until I believe it was June. But Whit Merrifield is the type of scrappy baseball player that the numbers aren't going to stand out, but he's going to be a table setter, sort of a lesser version of the two guys that we'll get to in a moment, Jeff McNeil and Andres Jimenez. I just felt the need. Merrifield has proven as he's a star player throughout his career with the Kansas City Royals, and now that he's in a stacked Toronto Blue Jays lineup. Let's do go to the number one guy. And I think universally, if I can check every single list we got, did include Jose Altuve at the number one spot. I know as the arch rival and nemesis to your New York Yankees for years, you do have to admit, best second baseman, and it's probably not even that close. Yes, for sure. And it is not close, as you mentioned. There's in terms of this past year, you let, you know, got an underrated, almost borderline MVP type season. I heard someone, uh, you know, to quote baseball expert in guy who retains, especially in the analytics side, even made the argument he would include Jose Altuve over his teammate Jordan Alvarez in the MVP voting, which just speaks to the volume of how successful the season was. A 164 WRC plus over a six war campaign in which he hit 300, had a 387 OBP, club 28 home runs to the tune of a Woba near 400 with an expected Woba of 350. Certainly, and a season for the ages, one that rivaled and is uh, frankly um, comparative to his 2017 season. Um, Altuve put it all together. It was fantastic. A uh, a route that was, um, you know, capitalized with a World Series ring. Not much more is left to be said. As you mentioned, you know, every single person through various perspectives, various means, various beliefs, put him there well, through the conclusions of, I'm a pure, he slaps singles the other way, gets on base at a high clip, and his for a high average. Or whether you're looking at his expected numbers and projections, Jose Altuve is without a doubt the best position, the best position player 
at a position that lacks really that star offensive and defensive um, star caliber player. So he is without a doubt the number one player in this regard. And we can also transition to the two and three spots, Jeff McNeil and Andres Jimenez. These guys can be grouped pretty similarly. They're going to hit for a high average. They're going to be pretty solid defensively. Jimenez probably has the slight defensive edge over Jeff McNeil. And McNeil also has more positional versatility, but we don't really consider that that much considering this is just a second base only list. However, McNeil does have a more of a bigger track record coming off a 2022 batting title as well as been above a 300 hitter for most of his career, except for a slumping 2021 in quotes. McNeil, Jimenez, we don't have to go into the nitty gritty of I ranked them two, you ranked them three, but more what sort of made you and dragged your attention to these two over a guy like Marcus Semien and Jazz Chisholm, who might have more power and might be more flashier, well-known names, but McNeil and Jimenez get the job done, table setters at the top of their orders. For me, I thought um, really there was more so of a gap between Andres and McNeil, just because, as you mentioned, that defense, Andres Menez ranks better than McNeil in both offensive runs saved and outs above average. He's exceptional in both regards with 16 defensive runs run saved, 12 outs above average, just thriving with both the stat cast and fan graph metric, just like shows like the defensive metrics. They don't really agree with even each other. Some will grade one guy great and the other will grade him poorly. To have the two coincide like this, he really does speak volume, especially with how they can fluctuate, just to how good um, Jimenez is defensively. And on top of that, he put together a very, very good offensive season, one that, while granted, outperformed his expected numbers. I wouldn't, you know, put a 350 BABIP, a, a 40 difference uh, points in Boba. Um, You know, he's not a true talent, 40%, you know, uh, 140 OPS plus, 140 WRC plus. He's not. 40% better than league average at his true nature. Rather, he is going to be a very good offensive player, one of the best defensive players, and a great base dealer. So overall, I thought he's, you know, he's, their gap is certainly wide between Altuve, but Andres Jimenez is certainly a worthy recipient of second and the guy who really, I thought, what kind of cemented himself into that slot this year. Similarly, on McNeil's end, offensively almost very comparable down to the decimal point in terms of weighted on base average and uh, WRC plus and OPS plus. But then the, the key difference there is Jimenez is a slightly a better base runner. And then on top of that, he, he is certainly a better defender, as you mentioned. So that's why I kind of had the edge there, given that, you know, they, they've ranked. Okay, so we're back after some technical difficulties. I apologize if I'm repeating anything I just stated. But as you go on, continue with McNeil, you know, kind of a very similar offensive prototype. Uh, Profile to Andres Menes almost down to the decimal point in terms of, you know, weighted on-base average, expected on-base average. Both should and likely will regress from what they were this past season just because of those discrepancies between the expected and what actually the result based. But given that, you know, similar offensive profiles, slightly a better edge to Andres Menes as a base runner and then a far superior defender is why I really thought there was a, a sizable gap between the two. And then McNeil, in turn, another gap between him and Marcus Semien. Semien had a very slumping first half. I think Dylan kind of alluded to that in terms of he was about league average, then turned out to be about a considerable better than league average player in the second half, kind of finding that power stroke again in a ballpark in Texas that really is not conducive to the home run swing, let alone any any offense being very pitcher friendly. I think uh, considering that Semien is projected to fare very uh, relatively comparable to his second half he should build on that kind of success continue with that power stroke he also plays very good defense over at second base 
So he should be able to maintain that and remain a top five uh, player at the position for this following season. And I, in doing so, I, uh, I ranked him as number five on my list. So three players that I'm going to group together and probably unfairly because they have a little bit of a different uh, style of play. But if you had to pick just for the 2024 or 2023, sorry, season, ignoring that Jazz Chisholm is several years younger. But if you had to pick between Chisholm, Semyon, and I'll throw Nico Horner as well, a young guy into this category. Of those three guys, if one had to be your starting second baseman for the upcoming season, which of those three would you go with? I think I'm going with Jazz just because I see even like, let's like, as you mentioned, even it's just for one age, I think even that, that one season, the potential is much higher. Uh, in terms of offensively, he had a very underrated season, ranked third among all second basemen in Exwoba. And while you know he provides the flashy archetype, the guy who's really a rallying cry for Miami fans, the electric speed, the great offensive numbers, he had played played fantastically before he unfortunately had to go on the IL with uh, an injury. I believe he only played about sixty games this past year. But mm-hmm. in those six, how many? Yeah, that's right. Um, so in in those sixty, had one hundred thirty nine diversity plus two point six WAR, projected to have about a three two. Uh, in this coming year with a 117, so not quite the the elite offensive numbers he put up this past year. Certainly very, very favorable power numbers and on base um, with regard to the the offensively lacking second base position. And just, I think, the speed coupled with the power, uh, the power swing is reason to project that his ceiling is limitless. Um, defensively, he is, you know, a plus defender, maybe not in terms of the elite Nico Horner, but I think that his bat and his you know, his still serviceable defense makes it for that skill and that, you know, the, the age, while maybe it's not a factor in uh, in terms of because we're not playing the long term game with this question. But I think the ceiling in terms of what it could be, just given that he is so young, um, we'll really get to see what the full jazz chism is going to look like. I really like and maybe it's just we have our side retired Cubs analysts is working on a video about Nico Horner right now. It seems like the good influence that Dansby Swanson could have on Horner could do Horner a really good thing and take that next step forward in the 2023 season. He broke out as a rookie in 2021 and then put up a solid season, 130 games as a Cubs shortstop on a rebuilding team. Now he's really one of those guys that is homegrown. The Cubs brought in a couple of players this offseason, Cody Bellinger, Danzy Swanson. It's basically just Hap and Horner are sort of those guys that are Cubs bred, born and bred in the Cubs organization. And as a result of that, Horner, as you mentioned, plays elite defense. His offense is solid, but it's a very similar comp to a guy like Danzy Swanson, who is known for his glove first. And then this past season, that bat sort of broke out with him. It'll be interesting to see if Horner learns a lot from Swanson this upcoming season and whether they'll translate. Obviously, we're both pretty high and we both believe that Horner will. You had him at your number seven. I had him at my number six. Um, definitely worth watching Nico Horner as a potential breakout star in the 2023 season. I will skip though to something we both didn't have either of these players on our list. I'll group them together in Ozzy Albies and Glaber Torres. Torres, obviously you're mentioning because you assume that Volpe is going to get a lot of playing time. Now, whether that means you think Glaber Torres is getting traded, you can obviously feel free to mention that. Or if you think he's just a fifth infielder type of thing and Albies, I'll pick on Albies and then you can pick on Torres a little bit. As much as everyone loves Ozzy Albies, there are two main concerns with him, Jackie brought up one a second ago with the whole Jazz Chisholm got injured. Ozzy Albies is frequently injured throughout his career. Now, is some of it not his fault? No, I believe he fouled a, a ball off of his knee once and that caused him to miss multiple months. But it just seems like all the time there's something up with him. 
And when he is on the field, he is the 16th highest weighted runs created plus for second baseman over the past three seasons combined. So 2020 through 2022 at 103 for reference, 100 is league average, which means that Albies at best is around a league average bat, which considering the position, we have guys like Jorge Polanco, Cattell Marte, who are towards the bottom of my list and are for sure above league average. Albies, who is especially injured, and as the number said, 16th best in offense. Best availability or best ability is availability. He doesn't have that. And he also doesn't have the bat to sort of say, okay, I'm still worth putting on the list, even though I'm not producing the quantity that you want. At least I'm producing the quality. He doesn't seem to have either of them. Although Albies is one of those household names, I think if people don't look at the numbers, you say, who's the best second baseman in baseball? It's Altuve, it's Semyon, and some people might even put Albies at number three. We're here to show you the analytics versus the eye test. Ozzy Albies isn't on either of our top 10 lists. Jack, take it away with the Glaber Torres analysis. Glaber Torres, I, I'm not going to say he's traded just given DJ LeMayu while he had. He did avoid surgery. It's just been rampagent with injuries throughout the entirety of the six-year contract he signed with the Yankees heading into the 2022 season. So it's kind of unpredictable. And really, it's not the Yankees should not be giving away a proven second baseman like Glaber at this point just given how rampant the injuries have been for, for LeMayu, and just given that Torres has been a very, very serviceable player. Um, he was a very, very good bat in 2018. But, like, you think about it, like, his offensive numbers in terms of, like, his OPS was much higher than it was this past year, or 2019, it was much higher than it was this past year. But that's also because the re- the run environment in those seasons was more conducive to offense. You know, for, for reference, in 2018, he put up a 121 WRC plus and a 125 WRC plus in 2019. This past year, he put up a 115, certainly worse, but not as worse as you would think, just given that, you know, we talked about in 2018 and especially 2019, how rampant and how crazy the balls were flying out of the ballpark. This past year, it was more, and uh, it's been more of a crackdown on that. And Glaber, um, especially relative to his peers at second base, is a very, very serviceable offensive player. I just think, you know, I put Anthony Volpe. Um, you know, if you want to play the war argument in terms of who's actually going to accumulate more value, I think there's certainly an argument for Glaber Torres just based on playing time. I would more so in terms of just skill, in terms of like, yeah, if I was drafting a team and I had to pick a second baseman, I ranked my top 10 choices. That's who they would be. Um, the Yankees certainly have a surplus of infielders right now with DJ LeMayu, probably going to be among our top 10, if not top 15, third baseman. Um, then they have Peraza, Volpe, now Glaber. Glaber certainly, I think, has a strong argument to be on this list, kind of on the outside looking in. He still projects to even have a better season than he did this last year with the 120 WRC plus, be over a three war player. I think there's an argument that could have been made that he should have been an all star last year, a backup to Jose Altuve. A lot to like from Glaber, him finding that power stroke that had been absent since 2019, hit 24 home runs, 310 OBP, 326. 328 and 319 uh, results and expect, expected Woba respectfully. Um, there's just a lot to like with Glaber right now, and he's two years away from free agency. Certainly a very valuable commodity for the Yankees. I don't think it's really in their best interest to trade a guy like that, especially given you know the amount of injuries and lack of production that we saw through several Yankees infielders this past season. Another guy I'd like to shout out that's on both of our lists is Brandon Lau. Last year, if you look at our 2022 list, he ranked pretty high on both of ours, I believe, in the top three. Took a step back in 2022. Obviously, this was due to injury. He only played in 65 games. 
But entering last season, he was a consistent 30-plus home run guy, which doesn't usually happen from the second base position. Even in 2021, I believe he had 39 home runs. 2022, obviously, a step out. Only eight homers, 221 batting average in 65 games, which which sort of made Jack and I definitely move him down our list. I believe, Jack, you have him at six. six I believe. I have him at 10. So obviously, I drank to back him down a little bit more. But both of us saw a little bit of regression. But I think both of us also at the same time realized he's a really good player. You didn't move him down as much. I was a little bit more drastic. But I'm also, if I see another 30-plus home run out of him in 2023, I will not hesitate to move him back into that top five territory. One guy I do want to highlight that's on your list that I really struggled with, and I wanted him so bad to make my top 10, but I just wanted to put Lau in slightly ahead of him, and that's Brandon or Brendan Donovan. I'll talk about the negatives about him first, even though I love him as a player, starting that off at the beginning, but I did have to be overly critical. His hard hit rate percentages are definitely down, especially considered to other second basemen. His second half splits were worse than his first half splits, which as a result made me think, considering he wasn't a top prospect coming up, how sustainable was that first half and entering the second half? How good were those numbers? They were really good. But how sustainable is that considering this is a list where we're projecting for the 2023 season? It also seems like the Cardinals are going to give Nolan Gorman the opportunity to take that second base job, which would then make Brendan Donovan more of a utility role player type of player. So I just don't know exactly what to expect from him out of 2023. A great 2022 that if we probably had to rank what were the top 10 second basemen of last year, he's for sure making that. I believe he also won the gold glove as a utility guy in 2022 but jack your thoughts on why donovan was able to make your list at number nine um just right now i thought in terms of he is projected to be a starter according to fan graphs we'll see if that's more of like kind of making a competitive edge try to get you know gorman fired up make him earn the role in spring training but regardless i think just weren't given the season he had how he's projected to play i i thought he warranted a spot on my top 10 um, you know, 129 WRC plus this past year, nearly a three war player while only playing 126 games, a 349 Woba, 339 X Woba. So like you mentioned, kind of a bit for, of regression there in terms of hard contact because he did only get an average exit velocity of, I believe, about 86 or 87 miles per hour. But he, he walks a considerable amount, about 13 percent, strikes out only 15 percent kind of an absent in pa- absence of power with a, an iso- a lice- isolated batting average power of less than uh, of less than one. For, for reference, that's your batting average with the uh, subtraction of your singles, ex- exclusively your uh, your extra base hits. Then you have your BABIP, which is uh, about 330, so kind of also a suggestion for some offensive regression. But regardless, you know, in, despite him, this, this regression from this plus offensive season, bad base running and average defense, I just think that it still warrants He's still projected to be about 20% better than league average, which should rank him high among second basemen. So he is, you know, he's a fringe top 10 player at best. You could make a case for other people to be ahead of them. Even I think Volpe has a shot to be ahead of him. Glaber Torres, some of these other guys who who you've mentioned on your list. But just given that he is a, a plus bat, he can, he did win the gold glove this past year. I don't know how warranted it was just given that he ranked at literally zero in terms of defensive run save, that's above average, and runs above average. So kind of suggests that, you know, he was a is kind of built on the reputation of the Cardinals being an elite defensive team. I don't know in terms of how warranted it was for his individual success. But regardless, 
he certainly had an outstanding season last year, as you mentioned, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how he reciprocates it this following year. All right, and obviously we appreciate all of the suggestions and all the lists that we received on Twitter, on Instagram, and DMs and all that stuff. And our marketers behind the scenes said we need to come up with more creative titles for our segments and episodes. So one suggestion from one of our new guys, Finley. Shout out Finley for coming up with this idea. And if it's trash, trash Finley for it. He said we're going to do a new segment for these top 10 lists. We're going to say rake or shake with these ideas. Obviously, Jack, if you think it's a bad suggestion, you're going to shake it off. And obviously, if it's a great suggestion, you're going to say that that idea absolutely rakes. So here we go. Rake or shake. These three come from David Halpert, one of our behind the scenes guys as well. He says that Colton Wong, Brendan Rogers, and Santiago Espinal are all top 10 second basemen for 2023. I'm going to say shake with Colton Wong being the exception of the group and perhaps crap the top 10. But the other two, I don't really buy in terms of their, their legitimacy for being on the list. Matt Potter says that Andres Jimenez is a number seven second baseman and other guys have proven more than him, including Brandon Jury. Shake, 100% shake. Um, I think I elaborated a lot on Jimenez, why he was just an overall fantastic player, just offensively, defensively on the base paths. Um, Certainly does that. I think you can make the argument better than almost anyone else on this list with the exception of Jose Altuve. So being that dominant in in the three essential facets of the game certainly warrants a top two position. Um, and there's really, I think that's kind of inarguable at this point. That certainly, I mean, you have McNeil higher. I explained why I, I disagreed. and But certainly there's zero, zero indication that he should be lower than that. Our, our Red Sox club ambassador, Nico Fernandez, says that Nolan Gorman and Bryson Stott will break out and reach the top 10 second base list by the end of the 2023 season. I like the Gorman pick more so just because I do. I think the Cardinals are really, Really, of their um, development overall, fantastic, and something that speaks to their develop, um, to their, um, their thoughts on him. Uh, they were reluctant to hold him in the package for Juan Soto. He doesn't project greatly right now; about ten percent better than league average, a one point five WAR in just eighty five games. So, about you know a three WAR player. I think that could certainly, depending on how the year, how he performs better. If he performs better than his median outcome, he certainly can put together a season that gets him on this list. Stott, on the other hand, I think that's kind of that's more of a rough patch. Obviously, he's known for the poor defense and the uh, the viral clip. Offense isn't really there either, so um, kind of a harder sell there to to, to make him uh, rake among these guys and correct the top ten. And then we also really appreciate all of our Twitter guys. Unfortunately, there were so many of them this week we can't go through all of them, but we do appreciate and you guys continue to submit all of your great things. And obviously the more hot takes you include, the more likely it is that we're going to include in a future rake or shake segment. The last one that we do have is from at Rargish. He said that Hassan Kim moves over from shortstop to second base. Now that they've signed Xander Bogart and using his defensive versatility, as well as his nice contact ability, Hassan Kim is a top 10 second baseman and the prototypical second baseman. It's hard to tell what's going to be going on in terms of Padres players, just ranking them. Because they're kind of playing like, you know, kind of taking the suggestions from the NBA of playing positionless baseball with, you know, now they have three or no, sorry, four extra shortstops on their team. Some are going to be in the outfield. Some are going to be in the infield. One's going to be at first base. So kind of even more remarkable to see what they're doing there. Um, I It's hard to rank in terms of Kim now. He doesn't really rank 
favorably in terms of these guys. You know, as we mentioned, kind of lots of these guys on the list are just projected around less between five and ten percent better than league average, and that's like their fifty fiftieth percentile outcome. So we could see them perform better. And you know, it's a it's a list of not many um hard hitting sluggers. And when you have someone like him who defends very well, can run the base paths. Um, certainly, if he puts together a nice offensive season, you could see a see a scenario in which he does crack this list. All righty, so that includes the first segment. There you go, Finley. It wasn't that bad of shake or rake. Obviously, we'll be back for future episodes. I got to stop saying the word obviously. I said that like 15 times this episode. Now it's in my head. But whatever. We will have great episodes later this week, including two interviews. If you don't know who the Staten Island Ferry Hawks are, definitely research who they are before our next episode. Or you're in for a great surprise when you find out who they actually are. In that episode, a great interview coming up later this week. I believe that'll be released on Wednesday, and we're extremely excited for you guys to hear all that insight. All right, James, Jack, and I will be back later on this week, as we just mentioned, as well as our top 10 shortstops list will come out next Monday, which I believe is the 16th. So until then, and until the next time, the side is retired.